Hello and welcome to Dowdy, the podcast where me, Mariana Feijó, talk to my guests about the concept of bravery, our braveness, even just the moments where folks have been slightly out of their comfort zones. Hello! I will keep this short today because even though I've been boasting all over social media that I'm super up-to-date and like super more than up-to-date, I'm a few episodes uh, in advance of recording and editing for uh, Dowdy, uh, I somehow lost the whole edit for this episode, which I'm not sure how it happened, because the software editor I used should be saving backups, but apparently wasn't, so I lost everything, and I'm finishing the edit just the day before I need to put it out. Stressful! And I was also just offered a slice of tiramisu cake, and if I don't leave the house in the next five minutes, I won't have time to go by my friends to like have a slice of cake and have a little chat because I'm not just going there and like give me a tiramisu slice and I'll leave. Uh, I need time to go there, spend a little of time, a little bit of time with him, and then head out to my capoeira class. Because yes, I am having cake and exercising afterwards. I am attempting a handstand at capoeira class. I'm sure uh, that will happen after I eaten a slice of tiramisu cake. Who's brave now? <laughs> the episode will start as it always starts, with my guest, Milita Mares, introducing yourself. My name is Millie. I am a comedian uh, and writer in Brooklyn, New York, in the US. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, right. no one uh, has to say to that. I will also, like I'll add to that, that we've met in Brooklyn, a couple of years ago, you were teaching a stand-up class, and it was you, like you gave me your class gave me the confidence to actually think that I was funny enough to do stand-up by myself. Because until then, I've only done like Improv, group stuff, yeah. a little bit of character. Uh, but yeah, so thank you for <laughs> your class. Oh, that's nice, and that was like one of the first classes I taught. So I'm a way better teacher now for sure. <laughs> So yeah, take Millie's classes if you're able to, if you are in New York. I don't know if you're teaching anything online. I am teaching in stuff online, times. actually. Yeah. I don't know what yeah, time it would wherever be you in are. the UK. <laughs> it's, if it's at 7 p.m. here, what time is it there? Is it like midnight? Yeah. yeah. It's too late for a class. Although <laughs> I had my show the other night. I have to talk, or I got to talk to Giannis. I had my show that started at 10 p.m. here and he was watching. And I was like, what time is yeah. this here? <laughs> you know, like with all this that's happening we don't need to be in offices so you can we can just like pretend we're waking up in the morning so we can watch stuff i've i've been watching some of the live streams that planets come and yeah it's very late and yeah, it's i very just late. awake until very very late oh it's God. fine it's fun <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like, what time is it there? How would you define bravery? Bravery. I was just listening to a podcast today, and um, it's like, bravery is not the absence of fearlessness. It's doing things in spite of having fear. Yeah. And you're just being like, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's kind of how I define bravery. Yeah, I think that's like how most of my guests have defined it. And I, I haven't actually looked it up in a dictionary, but I'm almost certain that's similar to what the dictionary says. So you're all very correct. <laughs> Is there, I've asked you to think about a moment or moments in your life in which you have been brave or like just slightly out of your comfort zone. That counts as well. Uh, have you thought about them? Yeah, you know, just like doing comedy, starting comedy. Um, b being in Japan, honestly, was super 
a lot, you know, like taking Japanese, like choosing to even take Japanese. Like I could have probably, my college had um, mandatory study abroad and, man- and mandatory second language learning. So the choices were Chinese, Japanese, or Spanish. And I mean, I speak Spanish at home, but I could have gotten away with just taking Spanish and going to a Latin American country for study abroad. But I was like, no, I want to take Japanese and challenge myself. And then I took um, a study abroad program where like there were some where you had your own apartment and some where you were in dorms. And those, even though you're still in Japan, like they seem a little easier when you're in dorms, you're with other international students yeah. or without you're all, you're all your friends. And I chose to be in a host family. So I, you know what I mean? Which was really crazy for me. And, um, I also, uh, yeah, I was in different clubs, like when I was on campus too. And like just being brave of like putting myself out there enough to like try different things and, you know, even moving to New York, like was you know, really difficult. And yeah, like doing comedy. <laughs> I hate to say doing comedy, but it just became a choice where like, you know, I, I started divesting from my plan B and started, yeah, you know, putting... Focusing on comedy. Yeah. And that's really scary. But yeah, I mean, people are like, wow, you're so brave. You're so like, a lot of people say that about me. And yeah, like sometimes it just doesn't seem like, um, you know... I mean, yeah, I like to surf, so I do like some, like, risky activities, but for the most part, I mean, big decisions in my life, like, sometimes it's, like, deliberate, but a lot of times it's just, like, gradual of, like, what's the other option? Like, I'm not going to not try, you know? Yeah, I feel like like that's the... Maybe the reason I started this podcast is that a lot of people say I'm brave because of reasons that I feel like you're saying. It's not that I'm being brave. It's just the choice I, I will make because the, the other option is not something I want to do. Uh, where did you move from when you moved to New York? I grew up outside of Miami uh, in Florida. It's technically not Miami, but it's like the greater Miami area. Mm-hmm. But it's not like a small like suburb with like one store. It's like a sprawling, you know its own city it's a place called hollywood and yeah like just a lot of people don't leave like you know what I mean? it's still like it can still be feeling like a small town in a lot of ways you know and it's very like laid back so i went to call i mean i grew up there but i went to college in southern california in orange county which is like west coast like an hour hour and a half south of la and it's just like I went there. Yeah, even going to college across the country. But I was just like, I need to get away from this. You know what I mean? It's not so much like, I'm going to really. But it's like, I need to get away from all this and leave this behind. But like what I didn't like about South Florida of like the stagnation, the slow pace. Like I really didn't see people like hustling or like moving forward or anything. Like everyone's just like cool, just kind of being the same. Like I felt that a lot in Orange County. Like New York is definitely not like that. So like that's why I wanted to be here. But New York's like the complete opposite where like everyone's going a million out, you know, a million miles an hour and you'll get left behind, yeah. you know? So I, like, be, I uh, feel it's interesting because I feel like that in different times in my life as well. I'm fr- from a very small town in Portugal and I moved out to study in a bigger city. Things were slightly faster, but it, like you were saying, I think it's the same experience. People just settle. In a, it's in a way settle for what it is available. So yeah, that's why I moved to London. But I actually would like to move to New York uh, if there wasn't a, a global pandemic and Trump. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I feel that because I feel like everything everyone is pushing forward in New York in a way that is faster or more with bigger objectives than in London. Even though London 
from my previous experiences already way more fast. Yeah, London was really cool when I went, but I felt like, yeah, it just didn't feel as... Which in a way was really nice. It was a nice breather from... I mean, it's not like every, you know, it's like a place where everyone's bad at comedy or everyone's like... Definitely not. I saw so many talented people, but it just seemed like so much like less cutthroat, more warm atmosphere and like the audiences are way like nicer and laugh more and like they're bigger there you know what i mean like in new york it's like it's cutthroat it's hard you've also played like very good shows because the audiences are not always that big or that invested in the um, in the people playing yeah no definitely shows yeah i did do good shows but also like even like an open mic i went to like was packed and i guess it was a bringer but still it was like but i didn't have to bring anybody but i did still like for a mic that runs multiple times a week like you just wouldn't see anybody in there at all so that was cool like it's just cool to see yeah yeah and when you went to japan how was at the time you went you said you studied Jap japanese in your school college was yeah college? college yeah yeah uh but were you fluent already when you went to japan or was that also like something you had to struggle with especially living with a host family that i imagine would communicate in japanese yeah so i studied i had studied japanese and then i've been to japan six times two for like person or well, one for study abroad one for personal and then the other four for business i worked for a lot of japanese companies i fucking hate it i'll never do that again but <laughs> i did and um was i fluent um i mean i you know it's like full immersion so i studied for you know my college is like mandatory study abroad so i studied for, you know you go four years of college my freshman year my sophomore year and then the first semester of my junior year was Japanese so it was what five semesters and then the second semester of junior year that's when I went so I had like I would I mean I don't know because like definitely reading and writing is really difficult in Japanese so I can't say that but like my speaking especially when I was there like when I first got there like I was nervous or whatever and like I, I understood some things but it was still challenging but by the time I left my Japanese was really good like I could understand like complicated things you know and yeah and then but yeah like it kind of made me because yeah like everything if I wanted a glass of water if I wanted this like I had to speak so I just remember being so exhausted like my brain was working like three times as hard because I would think something in English then think in Spanish then say it in Japanese you know and it was like just all scrambled uh and it was really challenging so I mean you know My parents are immigrants in the U.S. Um, from Dominican Republic. And, like, I grew up in Miami. It's very, like, bicultural city. Like, very Latin. So I always had, like, compassion for immigrants. Always. But being in Japan, like, as somebody who didn't speak the language and was studying as an international student, that really gave me a lot of, um, you know, compassion and patience for people because I just remember how, how much I struggled and how hard I was. And I was in school and I had taken class before and it was still incredibly difficult. Yeah. How did you find 
being there I again I've I've never been to Japan. I know a lot of people who have done similar things to you who have lived in Japan in host families and stuff like that. So I've had some conversations about it and I imagine that you felt similarly that in t- culture in cultural terms the culture is very different the way people uh interact with each other and live. Uh how did you find that? I feel like with Japan like it's just isn't there's no good or bad it's just different. And yeah. like I you know it was difficult for me because I wasn't raised like that. I wasn't those are not like what I'm used to, you know, like being a little bit more passive. But then there's some really nice things about like going every time you go over a guest house, somebody's house, you bring a nice gift like every single time, you know? Every time, you know, so stuff there's like small things like that. But yeah, like it's just different for me because I didn't grow up there. I don't know. I mean, it's just like different societal standards. I think something that I noticed to I mean, culturally, there are a lot of things I didn't like, but like, you know, I live with a host family and there's a lot of fucking kids there. My host family had five kids or four kids at the oh. time, all under eight. <laughs> so, but then what the kids would do in my in the neighborhood was they would like one kid lived three like a few blocks away from the school. That kid would go to the next door neighbor's house, get that kid, then there's two kids they go get the third kid, then there's four kids, and then they all pick up, the, they all stop at the kid's house. I think it's just the kids organizing themselves, too. I don't even think there wasn't any adults with them. But they're like yeah. six, seven, and then by the time they get to school, there's a group of 20 of them, or 30 of them that had, like, walked from the neighborhood together, and that's how they walk home, too. And it was, like, this strong sense of community, which, like, it kind of was like that a little bit where I grew up, like, where you could walk home from school and stuff. But everyone was separate, even though we all live, you know, but then there are like a lot of like pedophiles, which I guess there is still two in Japan. But that was something. But then I was like, yeah, but how how do they treat you? Like, are you still part of the community if you're mixed race? Which is not what I, you know, not what I feel like is the case or, you know, and just like being an outsider in Japan. Like if you grow up there and you're a Japanese, I could see like it's amazing and like very strong sense of community and stuff but if you're not Japanese ethnically you know you're gonna have a really hard time and like that's like the stuff that like I don't really like yeah did you do you have any situation where you think you haven't done something because of lack of bravery or fear or I mean yeah like I didn't start stand-up earlier because I was just like scared of it I didn't you know part of me like kind of wanted to go to art school But I didn't because of, you know, I was scared and like, like I was scared of failure. I, you know, I wanted to move to New York basically after college. I mean, no, after high school, I wanted to move to New York sooner and I didn't because of lack of, you know, there's a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What did you study? Social and behavioral science. Basically sociology. Yeah. It was like a liberal arts major. So I said, it just, I just, which is exactly like just set the tone for my life of just knowing a little bit of everything. Not being like, yeah, jack of all trades, master of none. Something like, yeah. but the rest of the quote is a little nicer, you know, it's like jack of all trades, master of none, something, 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 whatever. But yeah. And when did you start stand up and how did you come? Yeah. Why did you start it? What made you start stand up or what made, did you, were you a big uh, comedy fan? I was already like doing improv and sketch. So yeah, like I had just like started dip my toe into improv. Then I was doing sketch. Then I started doing stand up. I did stand up. Like I did one show back in like 20... It had to be 2014. I did like I think my first open mic um at UCB. 
and it was so terrifying it took everything up there to get me to like write three minutes and it was all about losing my virginity which was also crazy and brave and like very vulnerable and then a girl after me made a joke like it was a bad joke though but it really scared me because i just was so new she was like oh your ex like because i talked about like the guy lost my virginity too and then she's like oh i that's my ex-boyfriend or like i know him but she said it with such conviction that i'm like oh my god she doesn't know him oh my god like and it really freaked me out and then i was like did you is that really she's like no that was a fucking joke what the hell like so then i felt so stupid i was like yeah i should (laughs) and then and then right after that like after that show i was with my friend and she's like okay let's go to the next mic and she was like going to mics like all you know multiple mics a night because that's what yeah. everyone does in New York. You go to like three yeah. a night, and then going there and meeting people, and then waiting. You put your name in a bucket, and there's like fifty people, and you don't know when your name you're gonna get called up. Like that was so overwhelming and scary for me that I just hung out and left. And then I was just kind of like, I don't want to do like I had just started getting like some respect and notoriety in 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 improv like people started doing my 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 team name like affirmative action and we started getting booked on shows like people didn't book us for a long time we were all women of color uh and yeah people didn't weren't weren't booking us and finally people were starting to do that and then I feel like then I entered the stand-up world and it was like starting from square one so I was like I want to do this you know like but then I did I did I I mean I called you you pulled you back in well, my friend was like, we should host our own stand-up show. Mm-hmm. And then that's how really I got into it. Like, it was a safer environment. I hosted it, you know. I had to come with five minutes, you know, or ten minutes every every time we hosted it. And I hosted it for, like, a few years. And then that's how yeah. I met more stand-ups. I booked people that I liked, had a little crowd, had a following, you know what I mean? And, then like, that's really what got me... But if I didn't do that, I wouldn't like if it was if I went through the open mic route, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, I think the open mic route is like I've done a couple of open mics in, in New York, so I'm not sure. But I'm imagining it's similar uh, when you do like the, the actual proper like open mic circuit, because I did like a couple of gigs in Brooklyn, which I guess aren't like the big cutthroat uh, open mics. But here it's very much having to sit through a lot of people who are not necessarily funny or are not necessarily doing comedy that isn't offensive to a lot of people. So having to sit through all that and then go up there and do your material and trying to to be funny, it's really uh, tough sometimes. I did... uh, How did people react to your first set? Was the reaction good? People were, like, really... People were really nice about it. And it was Open Michelle, which was um, uh, all-women open mic, so that was also, like... It was a safe environment, too, so that was really nice. It's just, like, sucks because, like, on one end, you don't want to be, like... Like, people argue that, like, doing doing open mics is what gets you, like, to be a better comedian because you have gone through all this shit and you sat through all the stuff and then you can be really good and adaptable. But then, like, yeah, like, I... You know, and then I argue it's, like, it's just nice to also be in, like, a safe, supportive space where you can try things and, you know, all that. So it's, like... I see both sides where, like, people kind of sneer at people who, like, feel like people are being coddled if they, you know, go to, like, all women open mics or all queer open mics or they do shows or they are not really, like, respecting the open mic circuit. But on the other end, it's like, yeah, why am I going to subject myself to, like, hearing people that are bad or offensive 
or like unwelcoming environment or like not safe environment for me. So it's like I kind of see both sides on that. Yeah. I was thinking back to my first set, which was before I took your class, because I've done like a tiny, like three, I think, performances of a set. And then I had sort of given up before I did your class because uh, like I've listened back to it recently because I'm go trying to go to all, through all my old material to pick up the things that I think I can still use. And it, it, it was all about how I have lost a lot of weight and there were like tiny bits of fun in it but most of it was really depressing and I'm like what how did I do that and people actually didn't boo me out of stage they were all very supportive as well so I think in another from another perspective I think people are sort of supportive even like I've done three gigs none of them super high stakes but everyone was super supportive no no, no one told me get out that's depressive and it was <laughs> Uh, also, you, you know, people want to go, like, people want to see you do well. Like, no one goes to a show. Very few people go to shows like, I want to see someone eat shit, you know? Yeah. Everyone wants to have a good time, so they'll be, like, forgiving, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you have anything coming up in your uh, near future or further away future that we'll have to, that you'll have to, like, muster all your bravery to be able to do? Yeah, actually, I mean, well, yeah, a few nights ago, I did my Planet Scum show, and that was so fun, because, like, I just miss doing, like, like, it was kind of as close to a stage show as you can get, you know, and, like, that was really fun, but um, I've been writing a pilot, I wrote, wrote a pilot, like, working on it for the past, like, few years, um, and, like, different things, like, studios picked it up, so, but I'm, I'm working on it again, and, like, to pitch to studios, and that's, like, super scary, super frightened of that you know like you know what are people gonna think of you know the ideas and the yeah. and you know it's like it's pitching not it's pitching my work it's pitching like not you know in a pitch you gotta pitch like obviously the project but why it's relevant why you're the one to tell the story and who you are and you're pitching yourself you know and i would love to do this project where i get to star in it too which is also scary and like seems impossible and all that stuff so so yeah it's just like this is super frightening um yeah to even it's frightening to even work on it honestly yeah um because yeah like it's like also a level of vulnerability and you know feeling like oh like is this not making a good enough you know example of people like me you know what i mean so yeah it's like a lot of it, it's what we hear all the time. It's a lot of it on you to represent. Everybody, yeah. Not only you, but everybody. How do you learn to sell yourself in like the, the nicest way? You're not selling yourself, but you're selling your image and all of that. How, How do I learn? Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> that's probably one of the hardest things for me. And I try really hard, <laughs> but it's really hard to like see for me to see like the, the good things about myself mm. and I'm, it's way easier for me to tell like a friend or someone I know from the circuit that you're good at doing all these things, but it's really hard for me to see those things in myself. Are you able to do that? Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I mean, it is hard, but it is also like, you know, there's a few different ways to do it of like, you have to be a friend to yourself and like, you have to, you know, talk to yourself of like things that you're frustrated at yourself at, like you got to pretend that your friend's telling you this stuff. And then what would you say to them? You know, like you wouldn't, if your friend's like, oh man, like, I don't think I did good at that show. Like, 
yeah, you didn't fucking do good. What the fuck is wrong with you? You know, that person wouldn't be your friend anymore. <laughs> it's the same thing with yourself. You know, you have to be like a lot kinder, you know, and, and, and yeah, like just talk to yourself as a friend. And then also another way, another philosophy I've heard is like, talk to your inner five-year-old. And sometimes when you're like in a bad mood or in a this, it's like, okay, well, did Millie get, did Millie eat today? Did Millie, did Millie drink water? Did Millie take it? Like, did Millie like blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. Like what is, you know what I mean? And sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Like just the other day, uh, you know, I had like a really tough conversation with a, like a friend and like partner, like collaborator and just, it's like really difficult. And then I had a meeting right after, or I took some time and I, but I was just in a really bad mood. And then we, then I met up with another friend. We had a Zoom call to write jokes. And I was just in a bad, like, just not there. And she's like, hey, we're going to end this call now. Go take, go take some time, take a nap and come back. And then literally, like, I just closed my computer, laid in my bed for an hour. And I woke up and I was in a refreshment. So sometimes it's just like, oh, yeah, like, you need to give yourself a break. Like, you can't push yourself yeah. sometimes, you know? And like... I needed her to tell me that, you know, but then it's like, I need to do that for myself. Yeah. Which is hard. Talk to your five-year-old to like, just like take a nap, which is what five-year-olds do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But yeah, seeing the good parts. Yeah. It's tough, but it's just a practice. Yeah. It's a practice that you have to, you know, work at, you know, it's not like, and it's a thing of, it's like so hard because women and you know, you're not really, like, socialized to be arrogant or, I mean, or anything, like, boosting yourself up is seen as arrogance or uh, lack of humility and all these things that are, like, terrible for women to be. But that's what you need to be a comedian. You kind of, yeah. you have to, like, drink your own Kool-Aid a little bit. So, yeah. Just put yourself out there and drink your own Kool-Aid. That's a good, a good advice how did you feel when did you feel like you were up to teaching stand-up someone just asked me (laughs) and I was like okay I'll try it and I taught your class so it's also I guess then having people who will be there for you and give you opportunities and and then saying yes to them saying yes to them which is sometimes also hard right to say yes to things you're not sure you'll be good at yeah but okay I'll fucking try yeah exactly but yeah, like, I never thought, and even when I was teaching, I'm like, oh, I don't feel like I'm good enough at stand-up yet. Like, you have to be a master to be, but like, when I stopped, when I shifted it to be like, no, I'm not a master, I didn't, you know what I mean? I don't have to be a master. It's more facilitating a safe environment for people to experiment. When I started shifting how I viewed this, like, that's also like a way for me, you know, to like, do things challenge myself is like shifting this like insurmountable thing or this really difficult thing it's like okay let's really break it down is this really a thing and it's just like yeah like there's nowhere that says i have to be you know anything and and like for the most part like a lot of people don't need even need stand-up teachers you know it's like to me i see it's like more of a personal trainer of like yeah you can go to the gym and work out and if you go to the gym enough you will be fit or you can pay somebody to tell you like mm, this is what you're okay I see you want to do this like 
why don't you do this machine, this machine, and that machine? And like work on it. And I'm going to be standing here with you to make sure that you do it. You know, like, yeah. If you view that instead of like when you when I view it like that, I'm like, oh, okay, like then it's fine, you know, but I feel like it starts feeling hack when it's like you have to learn from me. I'm the only one or this and that when I feel more of like an accountability and I do give people notes too of like this is what I think. And then it and then over time I started seeing that like when I gave people like notes and advice and they took it and it worked like it was so rewarding for me. And it was so like, yeah, I do know what I'm doing or I do know what I'm talking about or I do, you know, and other people started seeing me too. And I would get more confidence, you know, and just like hearing people's jokes and like analyzing, okay, what were they really trying to say, you know, and then going from there. Yeah. And that's not, I, I've, ta- I've taken like uh, a few like coaching stuff for stand up as well. And I feel like there's a difference in the way some people teach. And I like the way you've just phrased it, which is like, what is this person trying to say? So you're trying to, to, take out from that person what they are trying to say instead of telling them that that's not funny or mm, that's not yeah it's not that's not helpful about. yeah so that's why i always ask it's so funny yeah um because like i one of my students i'm teaching a digital comedy class right now when i have a I, my, one of my students made a meme of like but yeah like i always ask like when i hear a joke i'm like what not like that's not funny. It's like, why was that funny to you? Or like, what were you trying to say? And then they, they you know, they're not like used to. And then sometimes it's like, oh, okay, if this is your joke, then you might want to rephrase it to make this message stronger, you know? But yeah, like it takes like a certain kind of person to say that. And yeah, like I, I don't claim to know ever, and I have personal taste, you know, things that I don't impart on my students it's just but I want them to do their best like as themselves you know yeah yeah I feel like that that question the why do you think this is funny is a thing I've asked my I ask myself not always that's not something I've done to my comedy always but I have also learned with people that ask me that so every time I'm writing I ask it to myself and I write it down I think this is funny because and then I try to reach the way of saying it without having to like actually describe it to people but yeah but then if you know why you think it's funny then you're able to like duplicate it and make more patterns yeah yeah all that stuff but yeah I've had experiences of people who didn't teach like that and I I think comedy as you were saying uh there's thing that's that there's your personal preference as well and other people that do comedy in a different style that maybe it's not your preference but at, but it's someone else's preference and comedy is so subjective that you can't really teach it in uh this is correct and this is wrong kind of way yeah yeah and i think there are people who are like amazing stand-ups who probably won't teach well yeah yeah so yeah do you have like an example of someone real or fictional, famous or s- just someone from your own life that you bring up as an example of bravery? Bravery. Um, yeah, that's hard for specifically bravery. I mean, I guess like I guess like Lizzo. I'm not like even like a hundred. Pr- you know, there's a lot of people who are like obsessed with Lizzo and everything she does. But I really feel like. Just her making a name for herself and, like, her, like, being confident in her body is, like, a sense of bravery and, like, not letting, you know, yeah, like, not letting um other people, like, get to you. The criticism she lets get to her are a little interesting because, like, she doesn't let anyone, like, 
say anything about her body and she wears whatever she wants and stuff. But when people actually have critiques about her work, which to me feel like legitimate, she gets really upset. <laughs> so in that way, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. That, I mean, I guess I'm the same way too, but <laughs> yeah. um, I guess I'm the same way, so I can't say anything. But yeah, I feel like that. Yeah, just people who like really put themselves out there are vulnerable I would say before all the Kanye stuff, like all the Trump stuff, Kanye was really, really, really influential in bravery for me and like perseverance and like arrogant, you know, he had, I mean, he's very mentally ill and not even mentally ill. Like he's also like has these, his narcissism has like influenced his political beliefs and like whatever. And it's just really sad to see how, where he is now, but for a long time, like the way he would gas himself up, talk about himself, all that stuff. Like, it was so inspiring and so cool to see. You know, and everyone talks about, like, yeah, how arrogant he is and stuff. And part of me is like, you know, is he arrogant or is he, like, arrogant for a black man? Like, you're, you know, you don't want a black man yeah. to talk. And then he has this song called Last Call. And it's, like, one of my favorite Kanye songs, like, ever. It's, like, a rap. It's, like, a 12-minute song. And the first three minutes is the song. And then the the next like six minutes is him. It's kind of like storytelling where he just talks about all the shit that he had to go through to get signed. And like he tried this and he tried that. And then he had, um, you know, people do the audio for their voices. Like when he's like, and then this A&R rep said, and then he had the rep say it. And he's like, say, so you just hear like he got evicted he almost got his ass kicked this time, you know, and it's just like saying all this stuff like until he got signed, you know, yeah. and like how people didn't take him seriously as a rapper and all the different deals that fell through before he got, you know what I mean? Which I thought was really cool. Like, I think, yeah, definitely everybody sees everybody sees like obviously the final product or all the good stuff, but no one sees or even shares like all the struggles that gets to it. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's really cool to have a song where he just shared all the struggles yeah. and like still like, you know, then he has another song called I Wonder and it's really good too about, you know, fighting for your dreams and stuff. But yeah, he's, you know, he was so brave and cool. And then I would say like post 2013, 2014 was like, he's got whack. Yeah. I wonder, cause I feel like both Kanye and I guess Lizzo have do have to be like slightly arrogant or sure of themselves because I'm sure they've had so many people tell them no uh, because like Lizzo because of your body you can't do this yeah no because of my body there's not that's why probably people criticizing her work is different because that maybe is real maybe my work is not good enough but my body doesn't is not called to the shouldn't be called to the equation when i want to do is music so yeah but yeah i feel like people yeah maybe they have to be arrogant to in order to succeed because they they need to fight all these things yeah and i think um definitely that's a thin balance of like you have to be kind of a little arrogant you have to drink your own kool-aid but you just don't want to be like above any criticism 
and you don't want to not improve or grow or change or challenge yourself or challenge your point of view. So it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, reconcile and balance that because, yeah, like you... I guess that's maybe what happened to, to Kanye because at some point he lost the balance of how much is it okay to be to not listen to others mm -hmm. and when do i lose myself not so scary because that's like yeah my fear you know we're reaching the end of the podcast do you have any plug yeah i listen to my podcast all dick is trash um, it's very fun <laughs> thank you thank you for listening <laughs> yeah listen to my podcast follow me on twitter at millie tamaras follow me on instagram a million fire with a four instead of an F or million air with an A instead of, with a four instead of an A. <laughs> you just blew my mind because I've always read it as at millionaire and I've never Millionaire saw. or million fire. Yeah, that's why yeah. we did it. Both of them. So stupid. I should change it. Somebody made a fake Instagram with my fucking name. But yeah, the, uh, yeah, follow me and yeah. Will you have more court dates yeah september 30th at 10 p.m eastern 4 a.m london <laughs> we can just wake up really early and just watch it <laughs> i feel bad um i know they should record them we'll see anyway yeah do you have any like any parting words of bravery you want to share with the world yeah i'm buddhist and um in buddhism they say a sword is useless in the hands of a coward. Ooh, that's... I've just been listening to... This is not... This will completely take all the uh, the deep deepness uh, from your from what you just said. But I've just been listening to um, Nicole Byers and Lauren Lapka's... I can't remember what it's called, but they're watching Lord of the Rings for the first time and they have a podcast about it. Uh, and they were just saying that Viggo Mortensen didn't want to use the fake sword and he used a, a real steel sword, sword throughout all of the Lord of the Rings and I feel like that's like scary uh, in many ways because he's not a swordsman he's just an actor playing with other actors with fake swords with his real sword but I guess he has like uh, he's not a coward <laughs> yeah I guess so wow <laughs> I did not know that <laughs> thank you so much thank you for having me Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me at, at @marianasbeats on Twitter and Instagram for all dowdy updates. As all podcasts will tell you, all rates and reviews will be super welcome. And do share the podcast with your friends or on your socials. Hashtag DowdyPod. I would also like to know your pics of people who, to you, are examples of bravery. Share them on your reviews or tweet them at me. Huge, huge thank you to Champagne for the podcast jingle and a bunch of other things that are on podcast related. If you've enjoyed listening to Dowdy, have some spare to give, and would like to support me and help me improve on my tech and skills, all tips are welcome through PayPal and Coffee on at Marianas Beats. I've been Mariana Feijó. Until next week.